Welcome to the Think Kingdom Church podcast. I am Marcus Loney, the creative arts director here at Think Kingdom. I want to welcome you into week three of our series in Advent Unwrapped. So let's go ahead and see what God's word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. Yeah, I got my joy. Uh, pastor Ramon reminded us last week to prepare our hearts. And um, so, man, I was, I was feasting on that message. Uh, I reviewed it. I looked on it on YouTube again. There were so many nuggets in that message. And so my, my message is on joy. And on Monday, uh, I got hit left, right, and in the middle. And I was like, uh, it's going to be hard to be preaching on joy, Reverend. Uh, I, I might need to hand this off. Um, but God has been good. And what I realized that all of us, and I think more so me, just because I know me more than I know you, we're bent towards pessimism. Like, if you are an optimist, like Brother Tony, um, you're an anomaly. But for the most of us, we, in the terms of Winnie the Pooh, we relate to Eeyore and Piglet, not Tigger. And, and so, like, when we talk about joy, it's like it's sometimes hard to see the joy when you're feeling depressed and you're feeling all this anxiety around us. And uh, in chapter 2020, uh, there is more seemingly uh, to be depressed or anxious about. Like, I turn on, I turn, I, listen, social media is like a gas station bathroom. You, you, you get in, you do your business, you don't touch anything, and then you get out. And so sometimes the stench of, the, of 2020 uh, uh, is like, can be summed up in the gas station bathroom. And, and so I could be, I could have the joy of the Lord and then see your post. And I'm like, Lord, are they even saved? But science also leaned towards um, this argument that we're hardwired to see, to hardwired to see the bad, to recognize the threats. So you got to think caveman days, like it's very important to see the landscape and then to adjust accordingly so that you can actually survive. So scientists say that we're hardwired to actually see the negative. It's in our radar. It's, it's like the balance between uh, being able to react and respond. So any of the threats that I see, I have to be able to react and respond to it. So sometimes if we're not careful, then we become hardwired to see the bad in all things. Like think about it, when you, when you go to uh, areas that are, um, are, that are struggling, I mean, you have a heightened sense of awareness because you've been told this is a bad area. And so you're hardwired to see it. And so it's sometimes difficult to strike the balance between being informed and not becoming overwhelmed. I want to know the COVID numbers, but if I keep searching for more numbers and more numbers, that can be so overwhelming. And now it's like I'm in this state of fear. So information can be active or passive by seeking it out. And then we respond to it. And depending on our response, our stress can be elevated. And then it triggers symptoms. I'm worried about everything. My son has a virus on his computer. I don't want to catch it. Like, I'm literally worried about everything. And so that sort of seeps into my godly walk. So the overconsumption of news, social media can damage a person's physical, emotional, and mental health. Remember, we are bent toward the negative. We see the bad, and some of us hold on to it and adapt in some way, and so we modify our behavior as a means of protection. So this year has produced the most depression, anxiety, heartaches, disappointments, and straight-up fear in my lifetime. I thought September, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I was, I, my first son, um, he was born 11 days at, uh, after uh, September 11th, and that fear was crazy 
But that fear was sort of condensed. This fear is just lingering. Please leave. But it's not just the, the world. It's the flesh and the devil is like the autopilot of negativity. And so it continually assaults our peace. So the world, the flesh, the devil are the enemies of our soul and antagonizes our peace. And this was before 2020. Then it, 2020 enters, and now the holiday season is upon us. And for many of us, or at least some, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's the opposite. And for others to sort of uh, minimize how we see this year, we sort of uh, diminish its meaning. And it's just another day to me. As if that means that we should shelter away from the joyous occasions that's all around us. So it's hard to embrace joy this Christmas for some of us, but not all. But can you imagine the silence that the earth was experienced having God not speak for 400 years? And then Jesus, our king, the revolutionary, the radical, he not only brings hope and preparation and peace, but he brought joy with him. Jesus is the contradiction to the culture that heralds material possessions with prosperity. That's why we have to become better students of Jesus and less students of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Joy is available in the midst of pandemics. Joy is available in the midst of famine. Joy is available in the midst of pain, and suffering. Will you rest on your feet as we um, begin to unpack Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 12? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place with Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were uh, staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. They were scared. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. We'll just pause on that for a minute. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. I got to keep reading. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Thank God that he favors people. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight 
up to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. She did know. Oh, Mary, did you? Yes, she knew. Um, but Mary was treasuring of all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now, I'm going to try this. This is hard for us. I want us to focus on verse number 10, and I want us to read it together. All right. Y'all ready? Only a few of us, we should get this straight. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Father, bless the reading of your word. You may be seated. I will argue that this is the very center of the gospel message. I will argue that this is the this is the apex. This is the climax of everything that was leading up into this point. That the angels uh, the angel but the angel. Remember, but denotes a change in tone. So, but the angel. So, what is an angel? An angel is a messenger from God. Now, this is not a part of my message, but it it it, it has to be in it because he did not only come to proclaim the good news to us. The scripture says, but the angel said to them, I don't be afraid, I proclaim good news to you, but we also, as we also carry the message of the good news to the world. So you are an angel to someone. If you know Jesus and he has changed your life, then you become messengers. It's not my message but it's very important because we're going to be, uh, in, in 2021, we're going to be digging deep into the mission of the church, this church specifically, the vision of this church. But we have to become messengers. And for so many of us, we are longing to be here when God has placed us out there. But that's not my message. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Okay, this is a frequent phrase throughout Scripture. Some scholars, some folks say that uh, fear not, do not be afraid, do not fear is woven into the Bible at least 365 times. We all deal with fear. So what the angels' first, first job is to let the people know, don't be afraid. This is a crazy reminder that fear or something to fear is ever present. And, and so, yes, there's, man, me and Ramon, Pastor Ramon talked about this a lot, about the, the, the rising numbers and, and, and how the people are responding, political stuff and, and racial stuff and all this stuff. There is a lot to fear. So the angel, the messenger says, let me start this off right here, because if you continue to fear, you can't hear what I'm saying next. If you continue to feed this fear, uh, and so man, scripture lets us know that many times this phrase, don't be afraid, fear not, is followed by an action that God takes. Exodus chapter 14, he says, don't be afraid, stand firm. And you will see the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. The action, what our response is, don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord will uh, deliver us. But our fear can prevent us from hearing what God wants us to hear. That's why we try to wrestle White Houses. Because we fear, oh my God, if these people get in the White House, no, do not be afraid. So Joshua chapter, I'm about to preach myself happy. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. Don't be afraid. You know why? Because the Lord your God will fight for you. 
Joshua 10 and 8, do not, do not be afraid. I have given them into your hand. None of them will be able to withstand you. Do not be afraid. So when I am faced with life, the messenger of God, the scriptures of God reminds me, don't be afraid. Because even if it doesn't go in my favor, I trust him. Fear is always a response to trust. Trust. So the angel says, the angel says, hey, 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 before we get started, I know this is, a, this, is, this is spectacular, but I don't want you to get lost in the wonder. I don't want you to get lost in the emotion and not hear the message. Sometimes we worship and don't even know God. Mm. That was because we get caught up in the emotions and Dion and Tim play so nicely and it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with God. So I was like, listen, I need you to hear this. The angel, messenger says, hey, do not be afraid. And he's about to drop some bars in a minute. Don't be afraid. Next phrase, for look. Boy, this is some good stuff. The angel is saying, don't be afraid because I need you to see this. Don't be afraid because I need to draw your attention. Don't be afraid because I need your undivided attention. Let me, the angel, let me direct your attention. If you continue to look about, then you will miss what God is trying to do in this moment. So let me just get your attention. Don't be afraid. Now look. Well, look. Man, boy. Because... Boy, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, Peter, you'll do something that nobody else has ever done. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, Peter, you will not only walk on water, but he will give you the keys to the kingdom. For look, let me draw your attention to Jesus. I understand all this stuff that's happening around us. It's affecting me. I get it. It's affecting our pocketbooks. It's affecting our mental health. But look, what are you looking to? What are you looking against? What are you looking for? Look for look. Because I need you to hear this next statement. I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Man, that will be for all the people. I make an announcement. I proclaim to you. Man, who's he talking to? He's talking to you. I proclaim to you good news. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 that the good news is God's way to save us. Oh, my God. You know what the good news is? He's going to save us from all this hell. That, that, that doesn't mean we don't occupy till he comes. That doesn't mean that I'm not a father. Well, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to leave it up to God to raise my sons. Listen, no, I do everything I can on this side. Because my life is a worship to God. But thank God he ain't dependent on me. I will mess it up. You can ask my wife that. I ruin days for no other reason. Just because. What a good news. I was like, yep, whoa, you talking about you or you talking about me? And then this is the better news. This is the joy. Who is this for? For all the people. Oh, man. To all who believe in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So who is this for? If you receive him as king and Lord, it's for you. So what am I saying? I want you to preach to yourself. I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I got good news. What's the good news? That God saves me. If I was at a Pentecostal church, that would have been fire. Today, in the city of David, oh, man, a savior was born for who? For you. Who is the Messiah, the Lord? Man, that is enough. But we live in a culture where that's not enough. That's why we chase after prosperity and not the king. That's why we, 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 we go after health, wealth, and wisdom, and the intellectualism. Listen, Ramon introduced me to another social media thing that's keeping me up at night. 
Because people are very spiritual. They just chasing the wrong God. And somehow we have to infiltrate these spaces as whoa, The reason why you're chasing all these other gods is because you're afraid. So you're afraid because my, my faith, my, my race, all these things have to be at the center because if it's not at the center, I'm insignificant. But you and I are made in the image of God. That makes us significant. <sighs> so, so the good news isn't stuff under the tree. Prosperity on this side of heaven isn't the good news. It's greater than that. You know what the good news is? It's the arrival of the king. The long-awaited king. Have you ever, pre-COVID days, been in a nice restaurant that's busy? And you heard so much about that restaurant. And it's just like you're sitting down and finally got a table. And then the, the waitress says, hey, I'll be right with you two hours later. But you've heard such wonderful things about this restaurant you're willing to endure. Boy, when she dropped that bread that's piping hot. And that's just the, that's just the course. And so that bread in this instance are the profits. The prophets sound like they're, the prophets are delivering such messages, but they ain't the king. He sends the judges, and the judges are trying to deliver justice and, and, and cut injustice aside, but they ain't the king. He sends worshipers who ascribe the beauty of the king, but they are not the king. He sends, he sends pastors, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, uh, apostles, prophets, but they are not the king. They are, we are waiting and longing for the king and finally the king arrives as a baby what the most vulnerable per listen when i had my first son he fell off the bed he he just wouldn't stay there and then i realized i couldn't turn my my back a second because to a baby a second is like an hour so I'm just putting him there. He falls. I pick him up. And he falls again. And see, some of y'all are saying I'm neglectful. And you're right. So when you look at the response, if you look at how he arrives, that, that ain't what we... You mean, I thought he was going to come on a... We, he, so the problem is that you were introduced to Jesus, but he didn't come like you thought he should arrive. Yes. And so we have this image of God that's not God. And your image of God always lets you down. But you blame God. We, we say things and repeat scriptures that we have not learned. And when they don't come fulfilled, we blame God. Man, I, if I don't do anything else, I want to dismiss this notion that you can pray and demand God to do something. What? I need to know your definition of God. If I can demand God to do something, he ain't God, I am. All right. All right. So he ushers in this kingdom. He ushers in this kingdom in the woof. He doesn't come raw. He comes woof. Like, like yo, it's, it blows my mind. Like, the, the, the God of heaven wraps himself in flesh. Mary wraps him in cloth. All temporary things. We got to learn how to unwrap Jesus in his fullness. Ephesians talked about the fullness of Christ. Ah, you couldn't handle all that God wants you to have. So it gives us in pieces. So we talk about a kingdom that's now but not yet. And so we live in this tension, Marcus. We live in this tension, the other Marcus. We live in this tension of living beyond the first coming but awaiting the second. Ah, boy, you see the beauty of that? That, that, that his first arrival... 
you know, you, you look you look throughout the, the, the annals of history and you start to see why their response to him. I think me and I think it was because be me and Nate or, or Ramon we was talking about Jesus wasn't nothing particularly good to look at. Uh oh. <laughs> he read your Bible. I want you to search for that. So, so, so we got this image of the king, Saul, with the heart of a king, David. And Saul never looked apart, but that's the king that we want. All right, okay. So he contrasts the sorrow and joy because we live in this tension. And the preparation of my heart for the coming king is what Pastor Ramon shared. And so I can't experience hope, I can't experience peace, I can't experience joy or love if I don't prepare my heart. But pastor, everything you said was sounded good. But the reality is, I don't have the joy. This year is hard for some to experience joy right now. So here's what I want you to, I want you to, I want you to, I'm not going to give you an out, but I'm going to give you perspective. You're human. Give yourself some grace. It has been a hard year. And that is not a lack of faith. Huh? I've noticed that we don't make these real confessions because we hide behind faith, but my real confessions show me a real God that in spite of everything we've gone through, he's been good. So joy isn't just an emotion, it's the inner part of my soul. But here's the thing. Joy is a choice. You choose joy. And that, my friend, is on you. Because Jesus comes with grace and truth. He says, I give you unspeakable joy. But pastor, I'm not experiencing it. You just told me that I can choose joy. Because joy is not contingent upon your condition. I'm going to get there. So here's why fear is so critical, because the conservatives believe that the progressives will destroy traditions. And then the progressives believe that the conservatives are trying to destroy their beliefs. You got, you got the EPA going after corporate because they're trying to destroy the environment. And then you got the corporate just saying, hey, you're trying to destroy our bottom line. So we move in fear. So in order for us to experience the joy that Christ intends, we must have the disciplines needed. Remember, we are followers of Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. In other words, we are students of Jesus, which means we must learn from Jesus and do what Jesus did. So we can't say joy escapes us and we're not doing what Jesus did and then blame him for the lack of joy and we don't do what Jesus has instructed us to do. So, the story that we are told is that this world can achieve unity and its purpose without the presence of King Jesus. And what this does is it slides us into thinking that the world has what we need to be safe, comforted, and secure. And the reality is that only Jesus can do that. You ain't got enough guns, little man. You ain't got enough money in the bank. But if you look to the world and the world says, this is what you need, this is what you got to have, it falls short. We fall apart without Jesus. And the world falls apart without Jesus. Everything falls apart without Jesus. Jesus, but with Jesus, everything falls into place. And so what we as believers have to do is look to Jesus. First point, look to Jesus. Our, our perspectives must shift. We become what we consume. 
what you eat. I ain't talking about food because I'm the chief sinner. You can laugh. <laughs> Look to Jesus. What are you consuming? If you got a healthy diet of Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook and then binge watch. And the last time you picked up the book was in 1987. Then you become what you eat. So as the old folks used to say, that's why your nerves bad. <laughs> I remember, no, let me get, mm, mm. in this age of rage, an era of chaos, if you want to maintain your joy, you got to look to Jesus. What better way to combat fear and anxiety than follow the commands of Jesus? I mean, you, you think about like, man, I don't have time. See, language is important. Words are important because language indicates what you truly believe. Now, I appreciate your public language, but what you say privately is more important. So, hey, how you doing, Pastor Antoine? Hey, I'm good. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, praise the Lord, man. That's what ah, 20 minutes later, I hate my life. I hate everybody in it. What you say publicly is a start. That's why we go, remember, we go to the extreme. That's why you got to confess it, even if you don't believe it. Confess it. At some point, you got to believe it. What you say to yourself or the ones closest to you is more indicative to what you believe than what you say to those outside your circle. Joy is an indication of spiritual maturity. Uh-oh. Think about a toddler. Think about a kid. They always find something to play with. Hey, all your parents that kids are two and under, don't go out rushing to buy all your kids stuff. You know what they really want? They want the box. <laughs> Trust me. They want the box. So here's the thing. Kids can be sitting here right now and, and just anxious to, to do something because that's how they're wired. They're full of joy. Now, when they get older, they get our age, they are literally discipled into losing their joy. So we become so formal. So kids are dancing in church, and kids are twirling, and you know what, uh, what we do? Oh, come on. When are they going to open the children's ministry? This is ridiculous. The kids are literally showing us the joy of the Lord. Okay, second point. And then, but the parents are like, whatever, Pastor, as soon as the children ministry opens. Second point, you got to listen to and learn from Jesus. The good news, the glad tidings is good news for all of us. The good news is that God sent Jesus to undo what Adam undid. But here's the thing. You got to, you and I have to rehearse the good news to ourselves. Preach to yourself. Turn that stuff off and preach to yourself. The good news is we are no longer evicted from the presence of God. So if the presence of God is being replaced by Netflix, no wonder we messed up. The good news is we are no, no longer under the wrath of God. It's good news. You want your joy back? Remind yourself of the good news. You want your joy back? Listen to and learn from Jesus. We are remade, reborn. We have new life. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are no longer oppressed. We have the Holy Spirit as our resource to outlast any temptation that comes our way. Remind us, remind yourself what God has done for you in Christ. So when the enemy comes to remind you of your shortcomings, say amen, and then look to Jesus. Amen. Spiritual disciplines must be practiced like Bible reading, prayer, corporate worship, gospel-centered music, and fellowship. One of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard. <clears throat> And uh, he, he wrote a book called Living in Christ's Presence. 
And uh, but one of his books that I have yet to read, but I'm getting to, that's my first book of 2021, is The Divine Conspiracy. And what he writes is that many of us misunderstand what it means to be Christ's disciple. And so when we say we're disciples, sometimes what we actually mean is just going to church and being saved when you die. And so the church becomes the headquarters to help you figure out life. But we have like seven steps to a healthy marriage, four steps to financial prosperity, and those things. So we've, we've sort of drilled down what it means to be a disciple. We've simplified it, and quite frankly, we've become philosophers and motivational speakers. But the true discipleship means to be an apprentice, a student of Jesus in our daily existence. A disciple is simply someone who has decided to be with another person in order to learn to do what that person does or to become what that person is. So what does Jesus do that I can be a disciple into? He lives in the kingdom of God, and he applies that kingdom for the good of others and even makes it possible for them to enter into this same kingdom. We become students of Jesus by learning about Jesus and doing what he did. Our character becomes shaped by him the more we learn from him. And we put these things into practice every day, what we've learned. All right, so everybody, uh, some of us, um, I don't know, you guys live in such a different time, but when I was growing up, we used to dissect a pig. A fetal pig by yay big is disgusting. So we learned biology. But then there were times where we would actually have the heart and the intestines and the liver out there in living color because they wanted to see if we were learning and we could put into practice what we were learning. So here we are, disciples of Jesus, and we have, we have minimized what it means to be disciples of Jesus by just simply hearing me speak for 45 minutes and wonder why when we leave this parking lot, our joy escapes. Because the next rhythm that we have in terms of spiritual discipline is when somebody um, cuts in front of us and we say, oh my God. And then the next week, we may have Pastor Ramon preach, we may have, and then that's the next time that we actually become students of God. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you never attended a class and never did what the teacher told you to do and you passed? So we have to go deeper because character grows out of our inner lives, not just what we say. So here's the issue. So you come to me, I want to be a better husband. And so you think I'm going to spend my time talking to you about your wife. Nope. Because you becoming a better husband has nothing to do with your wife. It's all you. So oftentimes people, people jumping jacks or, or, or double dutch out of relationship with me because I keep having a mirror to them. It's not your boss. It's you. You don't know my, it's not. Read your Bible. The reason why this, okay, two seconds politics, and I'm never going to say this again. The reason why this country is jacked up is because we think it occurs in the White House, and that's what we go for. The church are, is willing to leave it witness for power. We're willing to lose our witness of the Almighty God for power and the empire. And you read scripture, God ain't nowhere in that. If he was, why wasn't Jesus born to the Roman Empire? Why was he born out of it? Uh, everything that Jesus does is counterculture. Ah, oh, okay. I'm going to give you more Bible. Romans, I slap you. You know, it's, it's, not this, it's not this slap. It's a slap of, of humiliation. So the Romans will come, and they'll do like this. Listen, boy, grab my bags. So Jesus says, okay, they slap you like that. Okay, you just do this. That's counterculture. So the Romans would have their bags, heavy bags, heavy bags, and they would see a man, a Jewish man, and they would throw their bags down and say, boy, <clears throat> and so they would be obligated to walk at least a mile 
You know what Jesus said? Don't walk one. Don't walk one mile. Walk two. Everything that Jesus did is counterculture. Okay. All right. Third point, last point, and I'm going to shut up. The third thing is to lean into Jesus. So we talked about look to Jesus, listen to and learn from Jesus. Lean into Jesus. Lean into means to embrace, to experience fully, or respond to wholeheartedly. John, who makes it clear, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Talk about humility. In uh, John chapter 13, Jesus lets, lets the disciples know, hey, I'm about to be betrayed. And um, I can't read all of it, but Jesus says, hey, I'm going to tell you this now before it happens so that when it happens, you'll know who I am. So that I'm still going to solidify who I am in your life. And so one of you guys going to betray me. Everybody's like, wow. And then verse number 22 his disciples stared at one another. And they start staring at them and, and at a loss to know which one of them mean. I mean, that dude was always shaky, right? And one of them, the disciple who Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Then Simon Peter motioned to the disciple and said, Ask him. Ask him. And then leaning back against Jesus, he asked, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Leaning into Jesus will cause you to get answers that you may not want to know. But it's for your benefit and it's for your good. So I know you look to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, Jesus, my home. Jesus, is. I know you want to listen to and learn from, oh, that's good. And, and today, pastor, I've spoken tongues. And pastor, I did this. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Lean into him. And when he tell you to d- divorce yourself of these relationships that do you harm, lean into him when he says, listen, it ain't your job, Antoine. It's you. Lean, because when you lean into Jesus, here's what he says. Hey, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no parts in me. And people leave. He looks and says, are you going to leave too? Where am I going to go? Lean into Jesus, because here's what happens when you lean into Jesus. Idols are exposed. Man, listen, I can point your idol out like nobody's business. That's an idol. Yeah, that's an idol. But when it come to me, oh, I get quiet real quick. But that's what happens when you lean into Jesus. When you lean into Jesus, that's a deeper type of relationship. When you lean into Jesus, just willing to hear hard things. John was already close to Jesus, but then went deeper. The scripture says he was leaning on, he was leaning against Jesus' chest. Like, Lord, where am I gonna go? Like, 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 are you willing to lean into the hard truths about yourself? That thing that you're overlooking in your kids is going to come back. But are you willing to relinquish the control? You try to control everything and everybody. And so when you hear things like let go and let God, that's just a song for you. Are you willing to lean into? So you want your joy? Pastor, I want my joy. If you want your joy, just raise your hand. I want my joy. Okay, people's like, after that message, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> First thing is to look to Jesus. I mean, look to him, the author to finish by faith. Look to him. Second thing is listen to and learn from Jesus. If you want to hear the Lord speak to you, read your Bible out loud. He will speak. I'm being troubled in this season where the Lord told me and what he said contradicts his word. So either you lying or he is, and I know he ain't. So listen to and learn from. I was talking to Tiffany about this. Somebody came in my office a few years ago and uh, said they heard from the Lord. I said, fine, that's cool. And they were convinced. You know one thing that reveals if you heard from God? Time. And his word. 
last thing is lean into his word, to lean into Jesus. Repeat after me. More word, less world. One more time. More word, less world. Finish up Philippians 4 and 4, and I'm going to close, a real close. Not a preacher close, close, but a real close. You want your joy? Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. In case you missed it the first time, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Stop being so mean to everyone. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Why? Because the Lord is near. Now, it's not talking about his imminent return. The Lord is forever present. So how you yell at your kids, the Lord heard you. That pen you keep stealing every week that's not yours, he sees you. You got a whole closet full of pens. Talking to myself, Lord forgive me. I just love pens. Okay, the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't worry about anything. You know why I don't worry? Because the Lord is near and he's a very present help in a time of trouble. So if he's near, I, won't, I don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. <clears throat> I love this. And the peace of God, man, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So whatever you're doing, put a, put, a, put a finger in that. So whatever you're doing, if you feel like it's drawing you away from God, destroy it and remember that he will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and that he gives us, he promises us the peace that surpasses all understanding. I can stand in unpopular circles if I got the peace of God with me. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true. Mm, mm, mm. Stop debating these numbers. <laughs> yeah. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, Dwell on these things. You follow your thoughts, you'll follow your joy, or where it's misplaced. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. God of peace will be with you. My friends, joy must be cultivated. I think John Piper said joy is indestructible joy. But the beauty of joy is it can't be taken away. This joy I have, the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away, but it can be lulled to sleep. Because remember I said joy is a choice. You want to be joyous in your relationship with your wife? Choose joy. Joy is never contingent upon circumstances. Joy is the recognition that God is present. And if he's a very present help in a time of trouble, I, I mean, it's one thing for your kid to be right down the street beyond earshot of your voice. It's another thing for God to be, as soon as I think it, as soon as I experience, God heard me. Could it be the reason why we are struggling is because we're wrestling in areas where we should rest. Look, many of our church families not here today because they choose to watch online for their own comfort and health. Amen. We're a church family. We don't allow the world to dictate to us what we're going to be divided on. The center of our lives has to be Jesus. So if there's areas of my life that I'm not experiencing joy in, 
that particular area needs the attention of the one who brings joy. Lord, why am I not experiencing joy in my relationship with? Why am I not experiencing joy? I just want us, stand on your feet if you don't mind. I just want us to look to Jesus, talk to him. And some of us got to change our habits. Change what we're feeding ourselves. Very. Think about all the things that you're struggling with. I mean, this is odd, but I want you to think about the things you're struggling with. And can I act as God's messenger for a moment? Just remind you not to be afraid. Or look, I bring you good news of great joy. What that joy is that this good news that I bring is for all the people. If you understand the sound of my voice, it's for all the people that today your king, your savior, your lord, your ruler, your deliverer, your the one who sets the captives free, want to remind you that he comes to save us. And that was Pastor Antoine continuing Advent Unwrapped, a simple and yet powerful message on joy. Remember, joy is a choice. Choose joy. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. I want to thank you again for walking with us this week. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back and hear this full series and so much more right here exclusively on the Think Kingdom Church podcast.